So what do rock stars and rap stars do on their day off on tour? It's time to find out on episode 43, brought to you by ReelsandTackle.com. Welcome to the Telltale Fisherman Podcast, where avid anglers share the story of their best fishing day ever to inspire yours. Now it's time for another epic adventure. So here's your host, John Woodson. Okay, welcome to the show. Today's guest is Silver Rogers, and he is coming to us from Las Vegas. Silver, how are you doing, man? I'm great, John. Thanks for having me. How's everything your way? Oh, it's uh, pretty good. We're a little chilly here in, in Florida for what we normally have this time of year, but but we're surviving and uh, looking to get back out on the water soon. I, I hope you're getting a little fishing time in there out your way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, out, out west uh, in Nevada, we don't have a serious winter. It's it's a joke to most people. So I fished <laughs> yesterday, did all right. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, yeah, I'm yeah, I'm yeah. really excited to uh, hear about these areas that you fish. I know you fish some really big freshwater uh, lakes um, out there and uh, reservoirs and things, and and that's something I've not right. had a chance to do. So I'm I'm really excited to hear about that. But before we jump into the the big deep water there, how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do between your fishing trips? Uh, well, uh, you announced my name. Yeah. I am born in Tennessee. Okay. Um, uh, my parents moved me from Tennessee all the way to California when I was four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm definitely a Cali kid, Los Angeles raised. Okay. And, uh, you know, I'm in my four, mid forties now, you know, been fishing for a little over 25 years. You know, um, what can I say? I, I'm, I've been in the music industry for quite some time and, uh, fishing was, more of a hobby for most of that time now it's become just like what i do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah if uh, i'm not paying bills i'm out fishing that's, that's just <laughs> I my like passionate that. life now i but like that yeah there it is I'm, I'm the same way unfortunately i got too many bills to pay so i don't i don't get as much as i'd like hey life happens for all of us yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i can relate fully, fully for sure for sure so well so what what have you done in the music business um, well, right now I, I still run an entertainment booking agency. Uh, that's how I pay my bills. Okay. I'm not a pro fisherman yet, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I used to be a rap artist producer, you know, i got a couple things out there. People are familiar with my, my partner in rhyme, so to speak, is a lot more popular to, than me. The, the OG ice tea. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. You look us up. Um, we have a couple albums together, uh, black ice, my full name in the industry is black silver. And then, of course, Ice-T. So th- there's a group out there called Black Ice. I'm the black in Black Ice. Oh, um, and then cool. prior to that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We got singles with Too Short and Spice One and Razz and Ice Cube. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Well, I, I bet you've got some. I bet you've got some pretty incredible stories from that that would, uh, you know, be the subject of another great podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, any of those. Oh, I bet. That's I what bet. I was telling you earlier. I'm fully, fully familiar with recording and interviewing and things of that sort. So this should be pretty smooth. Awesome, awesome. Well, and it's and it's about something that you love, which makes it even easier. So let's let's jump into the fishing. Uh, so tell us about the kind of fishing you uh, like to do now and, and the types of places you normally fish. Right on, right on. Um, like a lot of people out west, you know, I started off in saltwater. 
Um, you know, if someone says you want to go fishing, you assume you're going to go to one of the piers, mm-hmm. anywhere from Long Beach all the way up to Malibu, you know, drop a line, sit and wait and see what happens. So that's how it started, you know, and then, you know, progressively graduated into freshwater fishing, and you know, learning more about the skills that it takes to become, you know, a bass fisherman. Mm-hmm. Caught my first bass, got hooked real quick. Yeah. Took a while to develop the the time <laughs> to mm-hmm. be able to go out and perfect skills and do it, you know, as much as I fish now, you know, and that, that just comes with, with age and determination, I guess. <laughs> right. Sure enough. I had to put myself in the position to be able to go out and fish whenever I like. Yeah, absolutely. So when did you make the move from California to Las Vegas? I've been in Vegas about 12 years now. Yeah. And so did that course or coincide with when you made that transition to really getting into freshwater i guess when you became a little more landlocked there in vegas yeah definitely it it took some time i mean i've only been fishing the way i do now you know having an instagram account posting all my pictures Mm -hmm. and just being you know really an avid fisherman about five years now okay when i moved to vegas it was for business purposes i'm a crenshaw high school graduate which is in los angeles california okay um, when I took a year off and then I came to UNLV, <clears throat> so I was familiar with Vegas, um, after I, you know, got my degree, which was in drafting and I never used it, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, I, I went back to California. All my friends were either dancing for a rapper or rapping. Mm-hmm. So like I said, I didn't use the drafting thing. I just jumped into what all my friends were doing. So yeah. You know, it paid off. You know, I, I've traveled the war, world, you know, pretty much. Well, not the world, but I've been a lot of places on yeah. tours. You know, I was the opening act for the Red Hot Chili Peppers on the Californication tour. So, oh, you know, man. I did a lot of big things. Yeah, yeah. Super cool cats, too. Um, but anyway, um, you know, with that, you know, it took me around. I got to see a lot of things. And most importantly, um, when we were in one place for more than an like if we had an extra day, if we weren't just in, do the show and leave, I'd go and check out a new body of water. Oh, That's just yeah. always been my little, you know, quiet time. So um, with that being said, came home, started a family and uh, a business. Didn't really want to do the rap thing anymore. Felt like I was getting a little too old for it. Plus, I didn't like the way the industry was going hmm. and um, started a business since I knew all the rappers that were in the industry. Um, it was easy for me to start a a business booking them for gigs. Right. And most of the venues and the promoters out there liked dealing with me because they didn't have to pay the extensive management fees that the other large companies, you know, I knew them personally and they do me a favor. So it just worked out. Yeah. Um, So after starting a family after a couple of years, then I was like, you know what? LA is just too expensive. I want to buy a home. Yeah, that's what made me come to Las Vegas. I'm curious. You're talking about when you tra- when you were traveling around and you would uh, check out local bodies of water. Uh, did you just mm-hmm. go out on your own and and look for new places, or did you fish with guides? How how did you typically do that? Well, I, normally I didn't really know about guides. I mean, I knew of it, but I didn't know what I know now. Like I could just call someone locally and they could put me on the fish. I wish I did. I would have done a lot more fishing, but. <laughs> Um, normally it was just me. I'd tell someone, Hey, it's our off day. Um, I'll be over here. I'd go someplace locally, buy a little, if we were on a tour bus, then I probably would have already purchased a nice little setup to go check out water. But if not, 
Um, if we flew in, then I just, you know, go hit a Walmart, that old good thing, and you get a quick setup and find a local body of water. Man, how cool is that? I mean, yeah, it, it is always neat to fish with guides and um, and, and do oh, that yeah, whole definitely. thing in a new place. But I, I think there's something pretty cool about just going to a new body of water all by yourself and, and just trying to learn and, and figure it out. I mean, I, that's pretty awesome, too. For sure. Yeah. For sure. So what what was some of the coolest things you remember from doing that, from the pond hopping, so to speak? Real epic day. It was on the Chili Pepper Tour. We were um, up. We were playing the Gorge, which is an amphitheater up in Washington, I believe, mm -hmm. um, at the tip of Washington. I knew I had friends um, in, in Portland, Oregon, which is, you know, not even like two hours from the top of Washington. Yeah. So they were like, okay, they're coming to the show. And then we had an off day. I could drive with them to Portland for some fishing. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it just worked out perfectly because I was close to people that liked to fish and they knew some, you know, pretty cool private ponds, you know, so we went out and just did our thing. You know, that always, when you know somebody locally that fishes as well, those are the times where it just, everything comes together. But anyway, what made that super cool is the drummer chad and the drummer tyler because uh, the food Foo fighters were on that tour as well oh yeah okay um, yeah so tyler the drummer for Foo fighters and then chad the drummer for chili peppers they both came out they fish as well they're they like to go do marlin fishings and all that but when they heard i was going it's like can we roll so we just <laughs> had enterprise bring us a van and then we followed caravans and followed my friends to the ponds and went fishing so that was super cool Oh yeah, <laughs> what a what a great memory! What a great time that must be. Everybody on the tour just saying, "All right, we're taking a fishing break and <laughs> haul yep. up to the local pond." Exactly. Everyone had heard that that's what I do, you know, because most of the homies they wanted to go to the local malls and shop or go to the strip clubs. I wanted to go fishing, so they were yeah. like, "What's up with your beauty? What's up with silver?" You know. <laughs> um, but then they they just wanted to. <laughs> that's they were like, "Hey, well, we fish too. Can we roll? Let's go." So yeah, definitely yeah. a good experience. Well, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about the uh, areas you fish now. I mean, you fish in, I think you had told me before, Lake Mead and some of these real big yeah. reservoir lakes off the Colorado River, right? Yep, yep. The Colorado River chain, Lake Mead is huge. I mean, you know, you couldn't you couldn't fish Lake Mead in a month if you were moving constantly. So, it's yeah, it's a big body of water. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about how you do that. You know, how do you approach such a huge body of water like that? And uh, are, you, are you constantly exploring, or do you have your set areas where you typically go back to all, all the time? Well, I mean, you know, you got your hot spots, um, you know, your honey holes, so to speak. But I don't like hitting them all the time. You know, those are last resorts. You know, once mm. you know the fish are going to hang out there, you know, it gets boring just catching those fish unless you haven't caught anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, right, right. So, yeah. yeah, every day I get out, I try to go a different direction. You know, sometimes I'll just sit down on Google Earth and plot a course, you know, um, if if I'm on my rig, because I have a little two-man rig, a uh, Sun Dolphin Pro. Mm -hmm. um, i got partners on bass boats. So, um, you know, if I'm not with them, then I just, you know, I go out and just try to leave, you know, launch from a different place, you know what I mean? And just, yeah. just go see what I can make happen in different bodies of water. I mean, it's the same body of water, but different locations. It's so right. big, man. It's just, you know, you can find a rock pile and spend a day because that rock pile is the size of most mountains. It's crazy. 
Well, yeah, and that's what I, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Is it not only is it wide, it's deep, right? I mean, you can do everything from super shallow to super deep rock piles and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the uh, deepest I've seen, like on the graph, is probably about three hundred and forty, three hundred sixty feet, right around that that range. Wow, I don't even get that deep when I go offshore fishing. You know, thirty, you know what 40 I mean? miles it's, off. It's a, it's a huge body of water. Like I said, I mean, there's there's one point um, on the northern Nevada side. I think it's called the Overman Arm. If you started there and drove to the Arizona side, you could be driving at 60 miles per hour on your boat for close to two hours to get towards the end of the AZ side. Big body wow. of water. That's pretty cool. So so do you only fish the big bodies of water, or do you have some small waters out there you like to fish too? Oh, definitely. Like yesterday I went to a little, I don't want to say secret spot, but only the real avid fishermen out here know about it. You know, we go... It's a, it's a smaller reservoir, and um, they empty it for about, think about three and a half, four months out of the year. They just filled it back up, but when they empty it, they make sure that all the fish go into, I don't, I don't even know, that's the big mystery, because every time they fill it back up, it's a healthy population of fish right back again. Mm. Um, Excellent. So yeah, I fished there yesterday, caught my second five-pounder of the year. Oh, nice. That was a good day. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we'll mum's the word on that one. We won't uh, we won't let anybody know where that one is. <laughs> yeah, I'm not shouting out that location. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's not cool. I don't blame you. you. Know, I don't blame you. I'm, I'm strictly a catch and release guy, and and mm-hmm. and when I first started noticing that people were really secretive about spots, you know, I was like, what's that about? You know, share the love. You know, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. You know, on the other spectrum of that, for a person that's strictly catch and release like myself, it's it's like, oh, man, it just pulls at you. It makes your flesh crawl when you see people harvesting bass. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> at least it does for me, you know. And, you know, the, the, the this fishery just reopened. They just filled it back up, like I was saying, maybe a month ago. Um, really healthy population of fish. But, you know, there were guys taking 10 fish because there's no regulations there. 10 nice, beautiful fish. Yeah, you know. And, you know, I had a good day. Like, I went up there. I think I caught seven. I posted it. That was my first five-plus pounder, like, a couple weeks ago this year. And, um, you know, and then, you know, but I'm I'm making sure I get some picks and, and a healthy release. And these guys are just throwing them on the shore or putting them on a string and it just, I don't know. It frustrates me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, I know what you mean. Some fish seem to be more, I don't know, sacred, if you will, if that's the right word, but you know, bass, yeah, especially yeah. there are prized game fish, you know, one of the yeah. most prized in yeah. the whole country. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I love seeing them swim away and, uh, and just dream about them, being a you know big ten pounder the next time I catch them, yeah, and the opportunity to catch them again exactly or somebody yeah. not you. So yeah, and absolutely. you know we were talking about Lake Mead. It's such a good water, and there's a huge population of stripers. Mm, um, okay, there and um, they're beginning. Um, I haven't caught one myself yet, but a couple people have caught some hybrids, so they're definitely crossbreeding in there. Um, yeah. the issue with the stripes are that they are making it very difficult for the largies, um, uh, for the largemouth and the smallmouth population. 
Um, very, mm-hmm. very difficult on the small, uh, the largemouth population. You know, smallmouth are very aggressive. They kind of hunt in packs, right. so they're they're okay. But um, you you can see the largemouth population getting, you know, a little scarce. So mm. we encourage people: if you're going to harvest fish, harvest some of the stripes. They're delicious. Take those, and there's plenty yep. of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Do that. All right. Well, when we get back, Silver is going to share one of his most epic freshwater fishing days with us. Right on, right on. Lake Havasu. Let's go. So stay tuned. If you ever go fishing by yourself, it adds a little bit extra challenge to get the boat on and off the trailer. A boat launch cord makes launching much easier so you can get on the water quicker and without damaging your boat. Go to tell.fish slash gear in your web browser, and check out the boat launch cord that we like the best. We are back with Silver Rogers, and have been talking about some of that uh, epic fishing he gets on out there in Lake Mead and some of those uh, other Colorado River tributaries. And um, I understand the story you're going to tell us today is about smallmouth bass, right? Yeah, yeah, love it. Who doesn't love a good smallmouth bite? Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, where were you fishing, and, you know, what happened that day? All right, so uh, me and a good friend of mine, Eli E. Trout, shout out to E. Trout. Um, we went on his rig. He has one of those uh, sea eagles, the uh, inflatable mm-hmm. pontoon-style crafts. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, real cool situation. Um, he's actually the guy that also made me uh, go ahead and purchase the Sun Dolphin. But anyway, um, we went out to, I think I said before break, what did I say? I think I said Lake Havasu, but it wasn't Havasu, it yeah. was Mojave. Okay. Um, yeah, both on the south part of Lake Mead, you know, AZ side. But anyway, uh, we went out to Mojave, super, if you know anything about Mojave, super clear water. I mean, you can see bottom in 30 feet of water, crystal mm, clear. Wow. Water. It's like a big lagoon. It's beautiful. Um, so, you know, you can see the fish, the fish can see you yeah. as well. So, <laughs> you know, that your tag can be a problem kind of, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, some skill fish in there, but you can, you can catch fish and, and, and normally when you do, they're really quality. So, mm-hmm. um, we were out there, we usually start, like I said, you know, when we're not making big runs on actual bass, bass boats, a tracker or something, when we're on our personal rigs, you know, we're real conservative about how far we go and, you know, we fish a little bit slower, make sure we pick apart each spot because we can't go too far. So, right. um, yeah. So, you know, there's a uh, certain coves that, you know, that we hit kind of routinely and, um, early in the day we get out, boom, pitch into some, uh, some brush, little, you know, the little corner of a tree and smack a largey about three pounds, real nice first fish, you know, good inspiration for the yeah. day. You know, when you catch a fish in the first hour, you know, you feel like it's just going to be a good, day. so, and especially mm-hmm. a nice one, not a big, right? So, boom, yeah. get him in the live well, he's healthy, everything's good. I'm like, I'm going to take pitch of him in a minute. Let's just keep fishing. Maybe there's some more around. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit of time goes by and uh, no fish. Well, we had caught a couple of dinks, but we're not really counting those. Um, yeah. So we're still, we're looking, headed to another cove. And my partner, Eli, gets on a nice smallie. And I'm like, okay, um, on these crafts, our live well is normally an igloo, uh, ice chest, <laughs> right? <Okay>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
I had had the largemouth in there. It had been about an hour and a half. I had, you know, put the, uh, what it was that thing called uh he has that makes bubbles i can't remember you know just to make sure he's he's breathing okay has air and right. um i was like you know what i'm gonna just go ahead and take a pic of him and let him go i open up the 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 uh, live well i reach for my phone the fish jumps out like a, it, it was beautiful it was like we saw it we were in the matrix it was in slow motion he did this beautiful dive out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of the uh the, the ice chest yeah. and back into the water. So I didn't get a pick. You know what they say? No pick. It didn't happen, right? So <laughs> that's right. That, that's what all my friends tell me when I try and tell them about right, my big fish. Right. <laughs> so my partner Eli and I we crack up laughing. And um, but anyway, we it was a small school of uh, smallmouth under us, so we just focused on that. Now I'm frustrated that I didn't get the pick, but we're on some fish, so let's move on. Yeah. He catches a one. They're not really liking what I'm throwing. I think he was uh, throwing Ned Rig out. Um, I don't know what I was fishing at the time, but I decided to switch to a crankbait and just fish a different area because mm-hmm. they were liking what he was doing. And like I said, the boat's small, so I didn't want to, you know, keep trying to fish what he's fishing. So first cast, I kind of tossed behind my back a really awkward cast with a, uh, a 2.5 square bill, KVD. Never forget it. And I let it sit. I'm pulling out line from my spool as the first crank, as soon as the bait went under the water, bam, I knew it was a good fish. If the, the, the tug was so nice, I was convinced that I snagged a carp or something. It it, it couldn't be a large mouth because if it was a large mouth, it was the mother load. Right. Wow. Yeah. So, I'm reeling, I'm reeling, you know, I, 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 okay, I'm on. I tell my partner, I'm like, get the net, get the net. As soon as I see it, you know, I was so geeked. I was like, it's the biggest small mice I've ever seen. Oh, man. <laughs> Which it wasn't, but it was definitely the biggest one I, I had on the end of my line. And, uh, yeah, sure enough. Now, I know there's some huge smallmouth fish out there, but uh, for – the body of water we're fishing of four pound nine ounce smallmouth is a great catch. That's a huge fish for this body of water. Wow! And uh, yeah, pulled and pulled them in. Yeah, man, beautiful fish too. Nice big red eye. Loved it. Never forget it. Uh, five pound <laughs> smallmouth is good for any water. Right on. You, you say you were kind of fishing around brush piles and stuff. So were you? Was it deeper water or were you pretty shallow? No, no. We had moved from the brush pile where I caught the largemouth earlier in okay. the day. Okay. We were, we were out in deeper water. Um, we were about 30 feet out from this point where we had seen a, small, a school of smaller uh, smallies chasing shad. Okay. Um, and so we posted up there. Like I said, he caught a couple of the smaller fish. I didn't catch one. And I was trying to fish in a different direction, switch up what I was fishing. And the first cast with the square bill, I hooked up. Gotcha. So these fish were were up in the water column and and feeding on bait. They weren't down on the bottom on a yeah. rock pile. Okay. Nah, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Which a lot of people fish, you know, that twenty five to thirty five uh, foot depth for smallies out there on that water. So it was really cool that I caught it up shallow. Yeah. That's well. That's what I was going to ask you. You know, how do you normally target those fish? You know, when you're specifically going after smallmouth. The only reason we were up as shallow as we were, it's because we saw the school chasing the shad. So we followed them. Okay. So what, what would you normally fish for 
with uh, for smallmouth like that if they're out on a rock pile? I mean, do you use a uh, you know weighted bait and you know soft plastic to get down to them, or how do you normally like to catch them? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, um, obviously the Ned rig has, has just exploded. It's just a really good, it's a finesse situation, but it will catch you a larger fish. You're going to have to weed through, you know what I mean? A lot <laughs> of the smaller ones to get to them. Unfortunately, yeah. I don't fish it as much as some of my friends do. Um, <clears throat> just because I, I'd rather hit the, you know, the mother load. Yeah. 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 Weighted jig. Um, you know, any any of those things just to get you down there, you know, in the range of where the fish are hiding. It's, it's so many tactics, you know. I'm not going to try to school you on smallmouth fishing, but, you know, if we're on the bass boat, we go find a rock rock pile. Um, that magic depth that we found in our body of water is 25, 35 feet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, give it some time. Don't rush it, you know, because they're there and they see it. They just got to, you know, get them to make that decision, that, that commitment. Right, I guess unless they're super aggressive like they were that day when uh, you threw your uh, your crankbait out there and one one right. uh, one turn of the handle and bam. <laughs> one tug, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, but like I said, they were feeding on shad, so he, he probably already had some in his gullet. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he probably had just eaten a few, so they're fired up at that point. Oh, yeah, it's always amazing when you uh, catch a fish like that and they'll spit two or three things out of their mouth and they're still going back for more yeah. when they hit your lure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You got to love it, though. Oh, you yeah. Know, fish frenzy and, at that capacity can be magic. Oh, man. Well, wow. That That is a great day of fishing indeed to catch a smallmouth like that. Yeah, yeah. It was a good day. Yeah, I've only ever caught little ones, uh, the few chances I've had to go. And, boy, I'd love to get on one, something like that one of these days. Excellent fight. Totally different tug from the largemouth or the striper. Um, just real, really good fish to hunt. And they're, and they're gorgeous, you know. We got out yeah. here, you know, we caught maybe five between the two of us. And all of them had different patterns, you know, tiger stripes and leopard print. And this is just gorgeous fish. Gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Coming to, coming out of that super clear water like that that you're talking about. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I bet yeah. they really do have a good color. Well, Silver, thank you so much for coming on today. Man, I just had a great time talking with you and hearing about not right only on. uh, your fishing stories, but, you know, some of your uh, on the road touring stories. Man, that's just great <laughs> stuff. Right. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, John. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, where you can scroll back through our prior posts to see the spectacular catches that our amazing guests are hauling in. And be sure to hit the follow button so you don't miss the new catches that are right around the corner. Our handle is at Telltale Fisherman. This has been the Telltale Fisherman Podcast. Thanks for sharing another great tale with us. Be sure to check out the show notes page for more info on today's show and the gear we talked about. Keep those lines tight and we'll catch you next time right here on the Telltale Fisherman Podcast.